Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker Betting Show. This is a Cheltenham preview in more ways than one. I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm delighted to be joined by Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding, as ever, and Ed Quigley. One of the big stories around racing, Ed, is going to be who's going to make their seasonal reappearance first. You are Constitution Hill. We've wrapped you up in cotton wool for the last couple of months. We decided to release you at your hometown track at Cheltenham for this weekend. Ed, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I've been in my uh, seven barrows bubble wrap while I'm out <laughs> now. And uh, yeah, very much looking forward to it. You say, uh, it's all just starting to go up a notch, isn't it? We've seen some excellent racing so far this season, some uh, some brilliant performances. And um, obviously the, the, the King George being the, the main highlight of Christmas, so that's on the horizon as well. And uh, just, just lots to look forward to at this time of year. Absolutely. And, and I kind of joke about the, the testing conditions and the rest of it, but you do live just by the race course at Cheltenham. So can you give us a bit of insight into ahead of the racing on Friday and Saturday? How is it looking, you know, recording just before midday on Thursday? Yeah, it's going to take some getting, George. Um, I say it was pretty much a bit of drizzle this morning. It was dry mainly yesterday, but a shed load of rain. Um, I'm sure the clerk of the course will give you something more specific than that um, in terms of, <laughs> but yeah, all last weekend, uh, Monday, just absolutely <laughs> launched it down. So uh, yeah, at the time of this recording, it's soft on the new course. It's obviously fresh ground, new course hasn't been raced on, but um it's going to be, you know, especially with the, the greater emphasis and stamina on the new course compared to the old course, it's going to take some getting. You, you If you want to see out two and a half miles, you need to be able to see out three miles in, in layman's terms, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah anything with you want spring ground or uh, an easy test, then, uh, yeah, don't bother turning up. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Andy, how are you doing at the moment? Are you going to be at the, the course on Saturday with Ed? Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, a few moving parts made it sort of... Uh... Definitely confirm that, but yeah, the plan the plan is maybe to be there Saturday. Um, looks a good card. Uh, some decent decent betting opportunities. Uh, proper winter ground. Uh, yeah, so with the weather fair, weather weather forecast looking fair, according to Ed. Then um, yeah, looks um, looks a proper national day. Absolutely does indeed. Um, right, let's get into the show, but a bit of a twist on what we normally do. We're going to go through the card on Saturday. We're going to leave um, Friday's racing uh, just because by the time this goes out, it'll be uh, pretty quick to, to date and to age. So we're going to focus on Saturday. But before we do that, given that it's Cheltenham this weekend, we thought we would have a quick look ahead to March. Of course, it is only mid-December. There are lots of moving parts, but you know, anti-post uh, betting is obviously very popular with people, especially ahead of the Cheltenham Festival. So I've asked Andy and Ed to come up with their nap, their next best, and their long shot. So their best bet, their next best bet, and then one at a bigger price for us ahead of March. So six bets in total to come. And Andy, as the, the resident, will give you first selection. And it's in the Arkle <clears throat> where we've got current joint favourites of Fasal Vega and Marine Nationale, who are both 11 to 4. In the pockets, 12 to 1. Gaelic Warrior, 14 to 1. Mr. Policeman, 16 to 1. These are all best prices on the Odds Checker app, which you should download to get the best prices, free bets. Uh, Bookie offers and place terms and Andy's tips straight to the app every morning of racing amongst other tipsters as well. It's one of those two at the top of the market, isn't it, Andy? Which one are you picking, Fasal Vega or, or Marine Nationale? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's a difficult one, this, because I'm, I'm tipping a horse who's yet to run over fences. So that would normally go against the grain with regards to what I do, obviously, base everything on times and, and uh, uh, current form, if you like. But there's no real reason to think that Marine Nationale won't uphold the form with Fasel Vega. 
in the pocket uh, and Elete Tomp um, if he does take to the larger obstacles. And reading Barry Connell's comments in the uh, Racing Post of the day, he could be even better over fence. And that's a really mouth-watering prospect, isn't it? Because he was a very flashy winner of what looked a very good Supreme last year. The time figure backed it up. And the subsequent form of all those horses he beat that day have gone on to suggest that he is very much top-notch. Um, they were going to run him the other day um, in a, I think, a beginner's chase somewhere. I, I can't remember exactly where it was, but the ground was heavy, so they drew him. They're now going to wait until Leopardstown have the Christmas period, December the 27th, to be precise. And it's going to be at that point where Facile Vegas already had a run over fences, will run in the racing post-chase, which is a grade one. He'll probably win that because I think he's already one to two to win that. And it looks as though he'll probably have a small field. So we'll get some kind of guide barometer into their respective capabilities over fences, albeit ones in a grade, ones in a beginner's chase, because they'll both run over the course and distance um, at that four-day meeting. I would then imagine that they'll meet in the Irish Arkle at the Dublin Racing Festival. And it'll be then when we'll see which one's the best of the two. Um, having both had um, at least a run on, under their belts over fences and then onto the arc itself at Cheltenham. So I think the landscape of the betting will definitely change accordingly at, at that Leopardstown next meeting, but even more so in, in February. So I'm kind of preempting how this market's going to go. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that Fa uh, Marine National will beat Fasal Vega because if he does, then I think he'd be a very short price to win the arc or so. 11 or 4 at the moment, just about value. It's not something I'd normally do looking to tip a horse so short at this price, at uh, this current stage. Uh, but a lot of the other horses I could have included into this podcast, they're, they're sort of plans are fluid. And there's one horse that has actually not even been quoted by one firm who um, are priced the race up as well, which I'll, I'll probably get onto in a second when we do perhaps a little bit of a final summary at the end of it. Because um, I, I can't do this podcast without mentioning him. So my first one's Marine National uh, in the Arkle, and I think that eleven to four looked good. Probably, if not a month's time, but maybe at least two months' time. And any of you on the on the, the Arkle market? I'm not going to ask you to take on Andy's selection, but uh, no, one I've stayed clear of at the moment. But I, I just think Willie Mullins' quote was quite funny, saying hopefully you can have four or five runners in the Arkle, considering it'll probably be a six-runner race. So uh, it'll be almost become the uh, it could easily be uh, Marine National versus, couldn't it? Because um, there's uh, is it Ilete Tomp is probably mm. end up in there. Is Mr. Policeman either two two and a half miles? Is a it's just uh, it's the Irish benefit race, isn't it? Really, uh, Paul Nichols, Nicky Henderson, without an obvious uh, two-mile novice chaser at the moment. So yeah, look, uh, it, hopefully we, we love these matches, don't we, in racing? And hopefully it turns up to a, a rematch of the last year's Supreme uh, over fences again. So it would be something very much to look forward to in uh, 89 days, George. Yeah, not long now. Not long now, TM. Now, now Andy, you said you were going to mention that horse when we, when we did a, a yeah. summary. I, I think we're going to move on from the Arkle now, so I think you better do it now, otherwise we're, we're going to miss it. Yeah, it's it's a horse I've had on my radar for a little while now. Um, I tipped in the other day my column, but I'm a massive, massive Inch House fan, um, trained mm. by John Joe. Now, now, knowing how John Joe operates, he, he hasn't actually said or gone on record to say what race it, it, he's got in mind for this horse further down the line. But given how he um, campaigned Monbeg Genius last season, to finish, I think, second in, in the in the Ultima. I'd, I'd be absolutely staggered if Inchhouse doesn't work his way up into that sort of bracket. Um, he's already had three runs over fences. Mm. 
Um, he's improved with every run. He jumps, he travels. He's got a huge amount of class, a huge engine. And I think the better the race he runs in, the better he'll be. I could see a sort of 20 running field at Cheltenham suiting him absolutely down to the ground come March. I think he might have one strong, maybe two more runs before then. He's, he's, I think he's entered, he was entered above the weekend, but I don't think he runs. So they might just save him for something over Christmas. Um, but I think he's a graded horse in, the, in, in waiting. But while he's still eligible to run in handicaps, and I think he's in the 130s at the moment. 137, yeah. 137. He might well, because he might well win one one more. He'll get it sort of like in and around the 140 mark, which will easily get him into the Ultima. But th there's only one firm which is Unibet betting on the Ultima. So it's it, A, they're not even priced him up because I don't think they've quite got the foresight that perhaps I have <laughs> predicted where, where Len Charles will end up. But I, I'd see him going off favourite for, for the Ultima. Um, but they're the only firm betting on the moment. So it, it's pointless me eat. Tipping A, a horse that isn't in quoted, and B, that there's only one firm betting on it. But once that market begins to sort of work itself out, we, we can record this, um, or we can play this uh, recording back um, <laughs> sometime in, in February or March and say, well, it was a bit of a told you so, because I do think Inchouse is, is the so one of my, would be my, one of my better anti post fancies for, for, uh, for a handicap at Charlton at this stage. Yeah, I think I misunderstood what you said there, Andy. Um, well, we will be talking about Inchouse, I think, later on in the show, obviously, entered in on Saturday at Cheltenham, but there Andy's giving us a notebook horse as well as a, a nap and a next best and a long shot. Um, over to Ed now uh, for your nap. And, you know, it's it's easy as you like. Just, just got to pick the Gold Cup winner, haven't you, Ed? Um, looking at the Gold Cup, we've got uh, Galapana Champ is the three to one favourite. Jerry Colomb, four to one. Fast or slow, six to one. Uh, Long Press, 16 to one. Shishkin, 20 to one. Brave Man's Game, 20 to one. And 25 to one bar those. Uh, but it's Jerry Colomb. Um, second in the market at this current moment, four to one with a few firms. Who's your nap of the festival four months in advance? Absolutely. Well, you did ask me for a nap during Royal Ascot, uh, George, and I gave you Jerry Colomb. And uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm staying along with that here. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very much on, on Team Jerry. Just the, the the staying chase division is slowly but surely just starting to fall apart a bit, isn't it? When you, when you look at the market and break, take the emotion out of it, look at it in the cold heart kind of light of day. I mean, the Galloping Champ, yes, the defending champion has to be respected, but he's lost his last two races. You've got Fast or Slow, again, who I do respect, who seems to be on a curve rising through the handicap ranks. Outside of that, I mean, your fourth favourite is currently Lom Press. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Venetia Williams um, was quite downbeat, saying possibly they could get him to the Cotswold chase, but it sounds like, you know, originally it was Newbury, then it was the King George. He's not making it to track anytime soon. Uh, and then your fifth favourite, Shishkin, who could be closer retirement than he could be winning a Gold Cup if he makes the mess of a start again. Uh, you actually start going through it. And everyone goes, oh, it's going to be a huge field, lots of great runners. Uh, the, the, the actual candidates are, are, are few and far between when you actually, you know, you kind of look at it forensically. And whereas Jerry Colomb, the one thing he has got is a massive amount of upside still to him. You know, there are a few in here. You know, say the likes of Long Press, Shishkin, um, you know, Brave Man's Game. They're, they're not, the evidence is they're not getting any better uh, at their age, or at least to plateaus. Whereas Jerry Colomb, say, has just that one defeat to his name by the real Wacker who jumped superbly uh, on the day at Cheltenham. And uh, funny enough, I think that the real Wacker could play a part in the, in the King George, where it sounds like Jerry Colomb would... Uh, will be running in. So, yeah, I, I just think everything's going to be right for Jerry Colomb. He's unexposed. The three and a quarter miles on the new course uh, can only suit him, uh, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, uh, the old course in the Brown Advisory last year uh, to get within the short head 
of um, of the real whacker. I, I think it was in, a, in an environment that didn't particularly suit him, but the extra two furlongs, the new course, be absolutely fine. I'm, I'm half and half surprised. Uh, it sounds like they are going to bring him to, to Kempton for the King George because I, I don't think it's really his track. But then I, I said, to, to be blunt and crass, I think the Gordon Elliott team are looking at the King George again and thinking we've got a five, six runner race here. Whereas you say, your, your, your favourite Brave Man's game's lost his last four races. Alaho potentially is rising 10. Shishki might not run. Uh, the, the, you know, the, there's not as much strength and depth as, as kind of social media would lead you to believe, in my view. And uh, mm-hmm. I think connections to Jerry Colombo are probably thinking, he, although kind of tight right-handed track around Kempton's probably not his scene, he's only got to stand up to be in the top three at least, if you see what I'm saying. And so all in all, if, what I'm trying to say is even if Jerry Colombo doesn't win the King George and gets a little bit out of pace around there. I, I, that wouldn't put me off at all. His claims for um, the you know the Cheltenham Gold Cup. I remember Gordon Elliott running Don Cossack uh, a few years ago. Obviously, was uh, looked out paced, was starting to hit top gear, and then crashed out in the closing stages. Then went on to win the Gold Cup. Funny enough, and I probably kind of see Jerry Clom in a similar type of mould here. And so. Uh, win, lose or draw. I said, if he gets well beaten at Kempton, he could drift again. Uh, but I expect him to be playing a part here. And I, I just don't think there's a lot of strength and depth in the three-mile-plus chase division. It could easily be a single <coughs> field. And Jerry Colomb, say, just a one defeat to his name. Um, I, I just think he's got everything you want about a Cheltenham Gold Cup winner. And uh, I'd fancy him to easily turn the form round with the real whacker at Cheltenham on the new course over three and a quarter miles. Kempton might be a slightly different story, but uh, yeah, Jerry for me, uh, I'm sticking with him. And um, uh, just the final point on this, the three mile chase division, it was kind of floated around perhaps whether last season's Gold Cup had left its mark. And there may be, a, you know, some truth in, in, in that sentiment, as I said, like Brave Man's game's been beaten every run since. Obviously, Gallop in the Champs been uh, turned over twice by fast or slow, and it could just have jaded uh, a few of those protagonists, whereas it's the fresh blood the newcomer I'm looking forward to. Yeah, so Jerry Klom for me, um, yeah, he's very much my nap of the uh, 2024 Chantler Festival. Love that. And the 2024 Royal Ascot as well. Uh, Jerry Klom, 4-1. to one, uh, Paddy's 888 Sport, Betfair, Sportsbook, BetVictor, plenty of other firms up on the odds checker grids. 4-1 to one about Jerry Klom. Andy, where do you sit at this current stage? I know you'll have a view on the, the Gold Cup next year. Um, how do you see it? As, as Ed said, it doesn't at this stage look to be a race with massive depth. Yeah, I could have easily put Jerry Colon on 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 the list, but obviously Ed had already picked it, so because obviously we we had, we had a chance of seeing what each other was going to go for. Uh, yeah, well, I, I backed Jerry Colon as well for, for the for the Gold Cup. Um, uh, I took a few after last year's um, RSA brand advisor, whatever you want to call it, that that he was the up and coming star in this category, and I was quite impressed with his victory at Down Royal. A lot of people weren't, but not many horses would have won. From, from the position he was in or got himself into um, at that, the County Down track. And, you know, he, he was beating horses who were A, fitter than him and, and B, proving it at that kind of level at this time of year. Um, I think he'd win that race 10 times out of 10 with a run under his belt, um, you know, every day of the week. So I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a massive plus rather than a negative. Um, he'll probably win at Kempton. I wouldn't have any problems with with a going right, right, you know, we're going over a, a tight track because you know he was really good on the figures when he won at Sandown over two mile four, and he showed pl- plenty of speed that day and at Aintree for that matter. So I think he's got a lot of um, bases and, and boxes ticked, Jerry Colomb. 
Um, and yeah, three, you can just imagine three miles to the challenge seating him right down to the ground. So yeah, hard to see beyond him as well at the moment. There we go. We've got the Andy holding seal of approval there on Ed's nap. Joey Colomb for the Gold Cup. Uh, Andy, your next best is in the Ryanair. Well, Alaho is the 130 favourite head of stage star at four to one. John Bon, obviously, uh, John Bon 11 to one. Uh, unlikely to turn up here. 14 to one. Envoy Allen appreciated 16 to one. Conflated 16 to one. El Fabiolo 16 to one. Bambridge 16 to one. 20 to one. Bar those. I mean, this is Andy when you kind of run. I mean, obviously the the prices in the market is, is 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 to a very high margin, so it doesn't work quite as simply as that. When you run through the top, however many of this market now, how many can you be confident are going to be going to be lining up in the Ryanet? Exactly. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I chose this race. Um, basically, we've got two standout performers over two and a half miles at either side of the RSG. We have Alaho, who obviously didn't make the gig last year through injury. Prior to that, he, he looked almost unbeatable around Cheltenham, putting in two incredibly dominant performances uh, on the on the new course and and that has been his target ever since you know they sort of got him back in and got him back to full health i wasn't blown away by his performance however on, on his seasonal reappearance um at clonmel and it was a day where we had a like for like comparison as well with the mayor's chase one by alagor de vas now alagor de vas's time figure was miles better than alaho i thought alaho looked a little bit laboured if anything now look it was his first run for a while i know he wasn't fully wound up and, and all that jazz but I would have just liked to see a little bit more spark um, and Tom will tell look he could easily get back to the level we saw it, 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 is, it is early days yet look that, you know that he's not going to be all, all guns blazing in the, in the middle of November when you know March is his target and, and Willie will no doubt have left plenty to work with but I do think stage start um, is a hugely talented individual who's three for three over fences at Cheltenham. And based on his victory in the Paddy Power, I, I think he's um, he's very much the one to beat for me at this current moment in time. I think four to one standout price in the village is really generous because I, I see these two being six, seven or four each or two, seven or four, two to one on the day, that kind of, that kind of betting. Because I don't think, as you just said, there's going to be a huge amount of strength in depth with the likes of John Bonnenvoy Allen Conflated going elsewhere, Fabiola going down the arc or maybe Banbridge if he does something um, in, in between times. But for now, I, I think Stage Star is, is definitely the, the, the horse to concentrate on from this side of the uh, Irish Sea. He got taken on in the Paddy Power as well. I don't know what Ed thought, but for him to brush those horses mm. to one side and then recover from that bad mistake at the last, which is a, a slither on landing more than anything else, and still power clear of some good horses, you know, and let's face it, you know, not long till May's a high-class horse, and all the like, all those sort of like fugitives and ill redotos of this world are really good, hardy, solid handicappers that always run to a good level around Cheltenham. I thought it was a fantastic effort, mm. but come rain or shine, whatever ground, small field, big field, it, it can pretty much handle whatever's thrown at him, so... It'll be a joust for the lead if they do go there on the, on the day, but I, I think stage star with sort of like fresher, more youthful legs on, on decent ground on, on the third day of the meeting, he'd be very, very difficult to catch around there. So, um, yeah, I think four to one for stage star. That's got to be considered as a reasonably good bet, even at this stage. And uh, Andy's trying to repeat your trip from last year, isn't he? P picking apart the, uh, the Ryanair that was falling apart 
and you know wasn't it blue lord that you gave us uh, at, a, at a big price that ended up going off 11 to 2 yeah uh 33 to 1 our tip mm. to Matt. it went off 11 to 2 and came last yeah um but no, yeah you're no, right not last <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but no i was i was gonna i beat the book but didn't beat the bookie but you're right it's to say the the ryanair um you know get gets its critics whatever but naturally Gold Cup championship sources go either way, and it, it's going to leave a, a 7-8 runner field. Bambridge is the the joker in the pack in here. I do think if they could, for once, I mean, Joseph O'Brien's been joking about, like, every time they enter him up, the meeting gets called off. He was actually in it the Peterborough chase, wasn't he, which the uh, heavy ground came on decent ground. I do think he's he's not far behind those. I actually would fancy him on good ground. Don't forget, Alaho will be 10 next year, won't he, if, if I've got my maths right. I'd fancy on good ground, Bambridge perhaps to get the better of Alaho, but Stage Star is very much the, the horse who's, you say, rising through the ranks. If he hadn't made that Horlicks of the last uh, in the Paddy Power, you know, you would have been saying he, he won a race 10 lengths on the schnaff off mm. 155. I mean, that would have been, a, you know, ifs, buts, maybes, but the point being, uh, it just confirms his superiority, how he could have made that mistake and recovered and still got up the hill and got the job done. So, yeah, it's uh, the Rhino has won a, a race on fairly lukewarm on at the moment. But um, as you say, it, it, invariably, that will cut up to a um, a, a smallish field. And, um, yeah, again, we, we've been speaking about matches, how we like those. We want Al Fabiolo, John Bomb. We want uh, Gallup and Deschamps, Jerry Colombo, et cetera, et cetera. Well, um, Alaho stage star on a Thursday uh, would be an absolute belter. Mm, absolutely would be <clears throat> team stage star at the moment uh, for Andy, four to one. Uh, Ed, we'll stick with you for your next best. Looking at the mayor's hurdle now, where Lossy Mouth is the 11 to four favourite, ahead of Gala Marceau at eight to one. Astro Diamond also eight to one, although a short is kind of five to one elsewhere. That eight to one standout. Uh, Echoes and Rain, 14 to one. Love Envoy, 14 to one. 16 to one bar, but it's that horse at eight to one that you're interested in here, Ed. Gala Marceau. Yeah, I would be I'd be against uh, the favourite here, Lossy Mouth. It's just a fascinating market, mainly because um, very few of those at the top of the market have actually run this season. Um, being Lossy Mouth, obviously being your 11 to 4 standout price. Uh, Willie Mullins in his bulletin the other day, Rich Ritchie saying that, you know, they may even contemplate giving her one run and going straight to the festival. And uh, similar sentiment uh, we could have with Garner Marceau, my pick as well here, uh, George. I I'm not worried about that prep for the mayors with uh, Willie Mullins. He went into quite a bit of detail. I'm not going to bore you all with, but what he was saying is his view was he thought racing at the top level takes a lot more out of mares than it does out of some of the, the you know the bigger stronger horses he's got in his yard and he said he, you know he worked out in the early stage of his career which is why he vega rocked up first time out to the the mayor's heard on one six of them um mm. you know and he used to get a lot of critique for it but he said it was a lot easier to take a mare there fresh and get them to win first time out than perhaps some of those big stuffy individuals that needed three or four runs i just thought it was fascinating insight really so what i'm saying is wouldn't be shocked if lost your mouth garland marceau a couple of others in the yard go to the festival with just perhaps one spin under their belts. And over two and a half miles, I think Gala Marceau, I mean, she's three times the price of Lossy Mouth. And obviously she saw Lossy Mouth's backside on a few occasions last year. But they were on races where there was a, a greater emphasis of speed over a shorter trip. I was really taken by Gala Marceau's performance uh, in France, the French champion hurdle, when she stepped up to two and a half for the first time on soft ground. She absolutely annihilated them. Now, I know people are saying, oh, end of season form, French form, blah, 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 blah. But there is quite a bit of robustness to that that run. Uh, she had Zarek the Brave um, absolutely coming home, uh, needing a breathalyzer, 12 lengths back in third. And then Zarek the Brave came out and won the Galway hurdle off 145. So 
that's a fair effort she's put up there to to beat off that field. And I think with the great emphasis on stamina, um, put it this way, if the mayor's order was two miles, again, lossy mouth, she's got much more to turn her foot. She's inverted commas, the classier type. If we got a bit of a wet weekend before the Charter Festival and you got soft ground on the opening day over two and a half, I think the the gap between Lossy Mouth and Garland or so really starts to, to narrow. Um, and, and I think the pendulum could easily swing to Garland or so over two and a half miles. So I, I think in time, they might maybe next season, they, they look at something like the, the stayers hurdle type route with her. Cause I think she's a, she's a turning into, she's going to be a proper stayer at the trip. So Garland so unexposed, I actually spoke to Danny Mullins last week. Cause I, I did just question this, you know, when you don't see these horses, you do just start to wonder. Mm. He said, no, she's absolutely flying. They'll look for something kind of Christmas time, January, perhaps the Dublin Racing Festival, maybe just one run and then to the Mayor's Hurdle. And so, yeah, naturally, a lot of people are lossy mouth, lossy mouth, lossy mouth. And with good reason on the overall balance of the form from last year. But as I said, over two and a half, uh, it could be a different proposition. And everyone harps on about spring ground as a final point. Well, you know, four of the last five Charlton festivals have been uh, run on soft, haven't they? Or at least started on the opening day on that type of thing. So that wouldn't be an inconvenience to Garland or so whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I think eight to one, I think she's a standout value. And similar to what Andy was talking about, the Ryanair, um, you know, this race, again, this will, this will uh, kind of filter down, won't it? You have a few of them end up, thinking we'll roll the dice in the stairs with the mayor's allowance. Um, you have a couple may try and pick up the pieces in the in the champion hurdle route for place money if that ends up being a four or five runner race with Constitution Hill scaring everyone off. And whereas uh, Gala Marceau, uh, over two and a half, eight to one. I, I think she's uh, she's fair play. She's fair cop. Eight to one, Gala Marceau there for um, Ed's, uh, which is pretty much available with all firms on the odds checker grids, a couple of seven and one, but that, that eight to one is, is readily available for those who want it. Um, Andy, any view on the mares? Um, not at this stage, no. Uh, what, what we're talking about mares, though, and, and, and particularly horses who are running France, that, that leads me to mention a horse, should she come over from France to contest the mares' novices, I think UK punters will definitely need to uh, take note of a horse called July Flower, who used to be trained by Henry de Bromed, finished ninth in the mayor's bumper at Aintree uh, behind Darcy Enos. But she pulled way too hard that day. But since she's gone to France, she's looked an absolutely totally different model. Um, I just happened to be doing some sort of figures from Altoy one day and um, sort of bloodstock agent. As was, yeah, as you do. Yeah, was asking me to do a card for him because he, he, was, he, was, he was looking at this French horse to buy. And, uh, and I said, well, I don't know what that horse that you're after is um, about. I said, but you want to keep an eye on this July flower. who recorded an astonishing time when she won first time for New Connections. And then she went back there and put in an astonishing performance. She must have been 20 lengths behind turning for home and she still managed to win. The turn of foot she showed was incredible. Um, and then she got beat the other day by one of France's up-and-coming bright young stars. He's a gelding. Um, I can't remember his name, but... Losange Bleu. That's the one, yeah. He's a proper grade one horse. But again, the front two pulled well clear, and the mayor to take on a really good gelding like that and, and, and give him a real good race on bottomless ground was a massively eye catching run. She probably needs soft ground for connections maybe to entertain her at Charlton, but she's 50 to 1 for the mayor's novices. Um, I think some of our the UK horses and Irish horses get the fright of their life if this July flower comes over. Um, so, yeah, she's definitely one that I'm, I'm keeping my eye on, but it's one of those ones where nearer the time when the entries come, if she gets an entry in it, then I'd probably, you know, that'd spark my interest. But at the moment, yeah, I'm just sort of monitoring how how uh, how that uh, how our sort of campaign pans out. 
a July Flower 50 to 1 there with Paddy Power, <coughs> Betfair Sportsbook, Bet Victor, Unibet, and others Betway included there in the Mayor's Novice uh, for Andy. Another bonus selection uh, is treating us today. Um, on to the long shots now, and we're going to look at the triumph hurdle to start with, Andy. Um, I'll just get the uh, page up now. Uh, we have got. I mean, your selection here is um, Nürburgring. Ring. Is that how we're saying it? Yeah, named after the uh, famous German uh, Grand Prix circuit. There we go. You can tell that I'm not a Grand Prix fan. So. I think it was the track that Nicky Lauda uh, suffered that horrific um, oh, no, oh, really? injury many, yeah, many years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've now got the, the page up, and Nürburgring is 25 to 1. Uh, that's best price with Bet365 as short as 14 to 1 elsewhere. Um, what is it about? Nürburgring that has you excited ahead of the triumph yeah well, we're looking for a long shot obviously you're trying to tip something that is a little bit under the radar and, and UK punters haven't quite conned on to yet uh, and sort of courtesy of the numbers that we keep I'm, I'm, my, my ears have been pricked up by Nürburgring's performance when he beat a horse called Carla Conti the other day now Carla Conti had already won the time before at Darren Raw for Gordon Elliott set off in front went a really good gallop it was a strong race there was plenty of fancied horses. Willie Mullins had two in there, one for the double green. Uh, and there was a, plenty of others who were winning form and, and good solid um, place form. And Nürburgring basically outstayed a lot of them. Um, won in a very fast time. It was, it was, it was um, uh, worth pointing out he won the same race as well last year that Lossiemouth won. So I do think that race is definitely worth a second look. Um, he clocked a much quicker time than Lossiemouth did. Um, when she won the race last year. So straight away, I'm thinking, oh, this is a good race. They were miles clear of the rest. And Stamina seems to be his, his key component because he, he took him an age to wear, wear down that good filly or mare of uh, Gordon Elliott's the time before Listol uh, would do, the one that won at Aintree mm. the other day. So he's got a little bit of everything. Um, he's won on soft, stroke heavy. He won on good ground when he won at Listol, a sharp track. Like I say, he seemed to stay a really healthily run two miles uh, on a stiffer track, much better next time. Um, I'd imagine that Joseph will probably come over here for one of the trial races over here. I think there's one, Ed would probably tell me, I think there's, I think there's one either on trials day, um, maybe the Christmas meeting. I'm not totally sure whether there is one at the Christmas meeting or the New Year meeting, I beg your pardon. Um, but he, he, he looks a candidate that might go to the trials day one. Um, yeah, I think UK punters will become uh, a little bit more accustomed to Nürburgring as time goes on. Um, I also like Mighty Bandit as well. Um, I'll, I'll definitely mention him while I'm, while I'm actually talking about this race. He also won in a fast time when he won at Ferry out the other day. And I noticed the uh, the horse that finished third to him has won since. A horse called Harsh, who went to court the other day. So that form line is looking pretty solid. I actually put up both of these two horses on my column the other day that they asked me to do. Uh, it's like a, like a novice mm-hmm. hurdle run through. So if anyone who's um, got a little bit of a minute want to read through that, my thoughts at the early stage of, of, sort of like all the different categories, the Supreme, the Ballymore and the Triumph, they're all on there. Um, I'm only really repeating myself with the Turbo Ring. But yeah, I think he's a, I think 25 to 1 is massively, massively underestimating what he's already achieved. Much more than Burdett Road, put it that way, it was 5 to 1. Great stuff, 25 to 1, that's stand out with Bet365 about Nürburgring in the Triumph hurdle and these long shot. Uh, before we get to Saturday's race at Cheltenham, we've just got Ed's long shot to go and we're off to the Stayers where um, we've got Tiapu is the 4-1 favourite, um, but we're going all the way down to 33-1. to one. And Springwell Bay, an impressive winner uh, back in November at Cheltenham, Ed, clearly caught your eye. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John Joe O'Neill's uh, individual here, as you say, lumped round 12 stone on, on soft ground and uh, was a little bit keen in the early stages of that race. But then what I was really impressed with was usually when you've seen a horse fail to settle for the first mile on soft ground, when push comes to shove, there's not a great deal under the bonnet. But uh, it looked like the leaders were, well, those were closing, the leaders were going to kind of swamp him, but he found more for pressure, didn't he? And he really took off up the hill. And just listening to George O'Neill's quote, you know, the horse has gone up to one four three now. He says, we're going to forget handicaps. And uh, we're going to kind of tilt at windmills a bit with him because he thinks the division looks so wide open, which it does. Uh, you know, when you bear in mind your favourite's to Hoopoo, who's going straight to the festival, he couldn't beat an 11 year old last year. Your second favourite is Talem, who looks brilliant in France, but you've mm. got to take that in context. You know, this is a horse who's yet to race away from Otoy in heavy ground. And then after, you've got West Balboa, who's going to go to Ascot next weekend. Uh, I mean, West Balboa won a handicap off 1 4 3 last time out. You've then got 12 year old side of Burley. And then you're into suddenly again, you, you know, everyone goes, oh, you actually start looking at it. There aren't the, the stairs hurdle division has gone very kind of dead wood, uh, for want of a better phrase, not wishing to try and upset anyone. But, you know, the, your Paisley Parks, your Dashiell Drashes, your Cider Burleys all still running around in circles. Um, and it's 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 open for um, younger individuals. I can make a case for Sir Gerhard because uh, I gather he's going back over. He's going three miles and hurdles over Christmas. And I could see a bit of mileage in his price at 20 to one because he does have excellent hurdles for him at Cheltenham and he clearly can't jump fences. But uh, Springwell Bay on an upward curve, handles any ground. Uh, clearly he's got Cheltenham form and uh, they're going to roll the dice uh, according to connections on New Year's Day in the rail keel hurdle where it sounds like Bob Ollinger's coming over and Marie's Rocks uh, dropping back to two and a half. That'll be a, a small field. And John Joe said, look, a quote from John Joe, I hope we've got a new blackjack catch him on our hands. We won't go three miles yet, but if he can win the rail kill hurdle, then he'll probably book his ticket to the festival. So they'll chance his arm over three on, on the big day, if you like, if he can um, serve it up to those horses on New Year's Day. But again, it's, it's the similar angle um, we were discussing earlier on in the show that the you know, the history of uh, the Charter Festival would tell you that often it's the fresh blood coming through. You want, you know, you do get your old, uh, your, your romantic story, don't you, of your sprinter sack and rolling back the years or Moscow Flyer getting the job done at 11. But uh, look, I get it to Hoopoo by default as favourite. But there's not, again, there's not lots of candidates springing out of here. And I wouldn't be shocked, as I said, if something left a field which is improving um jumps into the frame just a final point on springwell bay it was actually interesting looking back uh the horse more of that um if you go back 10 years or so ago ended up beating annie power funny enough um won a handicap off 137 to start his season off for going on to win the stairs hurdle well that's what springwell bay did when winning <laughs> at Cheltenham the other day so um you know it can be done and john joe knows how to get the job done with that type of horse is what i'm saying and um yeah those famous colors of blackjack ketchum obviously won the albert bartlett then fortunately fluffed his lines in that infamous fool at the second with left AP McCoy in tears 15 years or so ago. But um, Springwell Bay, uh, I'm hoping essentially New Year's Day, I'll be there with a mighty old hangover. If he can get the job done and see off uh, Bob Ollinger and Marie's Rock, then um, he's booked his ticket to the stairs hurdle. And as I said, he, he's the young up-and-comer and his pedigree suggests three miles should be no problem once he learns to settle. Lovely stuff. Springwell Bay, the other one for Ed. And Andy, any of you on the stairs? Yeah, um, I've had a small interest on Crumbo. Uh, I, I almost put this horse in, into uh, onto the list. Um, I went with Nürburgring um, because I was a little bit more 
solid or there's a little more solidity by him winning a grade three and, and proving himself as a, as a genuine triumphal candidate, whereas Crambo quite, hasn't quite got to that level yet. But I do think, along with Ed, with his, with his tip on Springwell Bay, that there is going to be a, a floater coming along from this side of the Irish to, see, to, to sort of put their marker down. I, I think we'll get to see that in next week's long war because I think Crambo's in it. And I think he's in it with a big chance because he wants an absolute end-to-end three-mile gallop. He didn't quite get that the other day at Hayda. Hayda wasn't his track, but boy, oh boy, didn't he finish off his race. I mean, he, he, he hit about three or four mid-race, mid-race crises before taking off on the running. Um, I think it would have been Cheltenham, let's say, that race. He would have won that race easily. Um, so I, I know connections are thinking about Stays Hurdle for him. That they, They've backed him. They've already mm. earmarked as that's the race that they Handicaps have just been used as a stepping stone. I think Grand Cru won that race. Then that race that Slate House won many moons ago before he had the the uh, the battles with um, the the the, you know, the great French horse. Uh, sorry, no, um, the the good horse of Nichols is um, that won it two or three years on the spin. Big bucks. Big mm-hmm. bucks, yeah. Um, so it can be done. Ed's already pointed out, you know, more of that. They can, that those kind of horses coming through, they, they they can develop at such a rate and not to where that they're they're soon develop into grade graded horses and you know in a weak category where it's open for something to come through and, and really stamp its mark I, I think crambo is another one to consider crambo another one to put on the list 25 to 1 best price that's of william hill bet fred and bet mgm and bet uk uh, on the old checker grids shores 18 to 1 elsewhere right that's our pre-preview for the cheltenham festival to start this cheltenham preview podcast uh, now we get to look at saturday's racing um, these are prices kind of hot off the press, I guess, given this just after midday on Thursday. So final decks just in. We don't have um, prices in the first race, which is the juvenile hurdle, or <clears throat> in the handicap chase, which is the second race. Um, any, and I'll start with you, especially because of the the opener. Um, any any standing out that people should look out for when prices do come out? Not not especially. Um, I think. If you fancy Burdett and Road, you'd be hoping on Brandon Fisa runs well because he chased home James Owen's horse um, at the um, Paddy Power meeting. I'm just a little bit underwhelmed by the, old, the whole level of the UK form, like I have been for the last two or three years. That's why I'm looking to always tip an Irish horse in the triumph. They've they, they dominated for the last decade, and I, I think they'll do it again. Um, Obviously, Paul Nichols runs Cabral de Mathan, who won in France. He, 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 you know, he, he did it workmanlike uh, when he won uh, his race over in France. So I just don't know enough about these horses. None of them have done any big numbers to get me excited. And, and the handicap chase, I mean, I don't know what Ed thinks, but that, that's, a, that's a tough one, that is. Um, I like twisters in that. Yeah. He's, We've all been caught. And in the yeah. handicap. Uh, Michael o- I see Michael O'Sullivan's book to ride as well, claiming the three. Fascinating jockey book. And obviously, Marie Nationale's jockey. Uh, interesting. I don't know if he's ever ridden for Nigel before, but um, claiming another three. So, in theory, off one, three, two in a handicap on soft ground uh, around Cheltenham. I thought, kind of now or never for him off mm. that type of mark. And I think he's just um, quarter Tartar, isn't he, last time out? Uh, I mean, he's beaten three lengths by Florin Porter two starts ago and then bumped into Broadway Boy, who's one of the most progressive novice chases uh, around last time out. So um, yeah. in context, I thought off one, three, two, he'd probably be the play around four to one, nine to two, something like that was my tissue. Yeah, yeah you're probably right. I just haven't got an overly strong view really on on, on, on the first two races, which is 
Probably just as well because we've got our prices. So there you yeah. go. Should we get into the races that we can talk about the prices yes. in? Uh, yep. Let's get to the quintessentially handicap chase, which is the 115 over an extended two miles in Excelsis Deo is the two to one favourite ahead of Calico at nine to four. Fun and Bill Savola, 13 to two. Ocon Risk, uh, seven to one. Prince Escalus, 12 to one. 14 to one. Madara, 25 to one. Baron de Middleton, seven run here, Andy. You've got prices. Who's the bet? Um, I think Alexelsis Dio or in Excelsis Dio um, is definitely the bet. Uh, he was he was down to running the um, December handicap uh, later on on the card over two and a half. He looked as though he wants two and a half based on his run here the other day um, at Cheltenham when he was a massive eye catcher uh, behind um, Dancing on My Own, which I think was a stronger race than the, the race that Calico was second in beyond Triple Trade. Uh, Triple Trade was in that. Uh, dancing on my own race, but I think collectively that was a, it was a, you know, it was a deeper race. You know, you had um, not long till May in fourth, who obviously went on to run well in the Paddy Power. Um, but Harry Fry's horse just looked all at sea come down down the hill, and then once he met the rising ground, he really picked up. But my overriding impression with him was what he won AS stiffer test, i.e. two and a half, or softer ground. Uh, the ground was just on the good side that day, and that probably just caught him out more than anything else. Um, but they, they, I don't think a horse like Calico will get away from Electetsis Dio this time. Um, and if he's anywhere near Calico, he's short a lead, uh, turning for home, then I think he'll just outstay them. So I think Harry Fry's got a a, um, a nice, progressive, young two-mile handicapper on his hands there. And it's Elsa Dio, two to one, um, <clears throat> making the appeal to Andy. Uh, Ed, how do you see it? I'm, I'm pretty lukewarm on this race, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I... Honestly, Princess Scarless, I thought, ran a, a was it was a massive return to form in context last time out, where, uh, as you say, that triple trade race at Cheltenham. Uh, the worry for him is he likes to kind of dominate, kind of boss a small field, which in theory should work fine here. But uh, as Andy says, this pace on galore, we haven't even mentioned Funnable Civilo likes to bowl along in the head of affairs. So this could be set up for something coming off the pace. And uh, so, yeah, all in all, I, I'm just finding it a bit too much of a, a puzzle at the moment. So I'm going to, um, if I do get involved, play it later <clears> on <throat> prices. Fair enough. On to the December Gold Cup and the 150. Uh, Thunder Rock is a 7-2 favourite ahead of Montmorale at 11-2. So Scottish, 6-1. to one. El Rodoto, 13-2. Fugitive, 8-1. to one. Fakir Duderi, 8-1. to Ferro Bamboo, 12-1. to 16-1 to one, uh, bar those. Uh, Ed, we'll come to you first. Yeah, I'm two versus the field here. Um, when at the shorter prices, I'd, I'd rather be with Mon Morale of those kind of in single figures. Uh, I don't think Thunder Rock, I'm worried about his jumping around Cheltenham. Uh, Mon Morale, likely raced unexposed. You look at two of his defeats, uh, second to John Bon, uh, and then second to Real Wacker in the Dipper. Again, that's, that's obviously very good form with uh, the, those horses going on to score at the top level. Um, Mon Morale had Thunder Rock. Uh, behind him that day uh, in the uh, in the dipper has been been the dipper hasn't it been dipper they've got they've got rid of it they've uh, <laughs> they've got rid of that race now but uh, as you say um, and Mon Morale comfortably beat Thunder Rock in the dipper he's in receipt of weight this time round and Paul Nichols has said you know this has been the target for some time so and Harry Cobden's obviously elected to ride uh, Mon Morale ahead of Il Rodoto so wouldn't be surprised if he went well but uh, I've got a proper long shot in here uh, do your job I wouldn't be surprised at all. This horse ran a, a massive race uh, for Lucinda Russell. The, you know, the yard on fire. They had a, a treble up, didn't they, a couple of days or so ago. And uh, this horse is eased down to a, a mark of 136 now. It's starting to look dangerously well handicapped. So there is always that worry, nine rising 10 on the comeback from an injury, uh, whether the old spark does still remain. But 
at a point being this horse was 146 at his peak. Uh, and he's absolutely plummeted down the weight. He's now four pound lower than when he last won a handicap. Um, Cheltenham would be a question mark. I'll give him that he's only had the one spin round here, but that was a bit of a tune-up job over the minimum trip. Funny enough, that triple trade race last time out. Uh, but two and a half miles, new course, soft ground, off a pretty much what it is, a career low chase mark. The yard on fire, 10 stone two. I think he's a big player here. I think they'll they'll ride him totally different to last time as well. He went from the front um, to try and utilise his stamina and it backfired. He just got picked up. I think he'll be ridden quietly and creep on the new course here. And I, I wouldn't be surprised with, uh, if to say, a featherweight here. He was staying on best when others have cried enough. So, yeah, Mon Morale, do your job. My two versus the field, but um, do your job very much. My uh, long shot goggles one. Do your job. 33 to one uh, with Paddy Power, who are four places and Betfair also four places, a couple of others as well. Mon Morale, 11 to two. Andy? Yeah, I think it's significant that Fakir Dudanis has stood his ground here. Um, surely that he's here to keep the weights down for so Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be my way of thinking. Um, and, you know, Emmett Mullins is becoming a real target trainer, isn't he, over here in the UK, as we've known now for the last two or three years. Um, and he very much had a prep the other day at Garvin Park, didn't he, over two miles? Yeah. That, wouldn't have, that wouldn't have been his bag. You know, he's, he's had a month month or so off. They've got the tongue tie on him again. Maybe he might have just, his breathing might not have been up to scratch that day. I don't really know. I'm trying to read into what's what's going on here. Uh, but he ran really well for a long way in, in last year's festival plate um, before the sort of wheels came off him. I think he's a kind of horse to catch th- th- this side of the year as well. He's, he's one of those horses that maybe just goes slightly over the top towards the back end of the season. Um, but uh, he's definitely got to be a consideration. Uh, and I don't think you can sort of mention a race like this without factoring in Fugitive, who is probably one of the unsung heroes of these kind of events. He, I don't think he's got his real due rewards for a series of unbelievably <laughs> strong, solid runs. Um, he clearly loves Cheltenham. He was unlucky. He was robbed, really, by Seddon. <laughs> he looked like he was going to beat all ends up in last year's festival plate. And then Seddon found another gear. Um, and I thought it was a perfectly respectable run first time. He was the only one of the horses that chased and went with stage star to still be there at the last. And, you know, he was up against a genuine grade one horse on that occasion, as I pointed out in my Cheltenham Festival preview. Um, and he goes back again for another shot. Um, soft ground is fine for him. Um, it's hard to see him not running well fugitive. I, I could not have a bet in this race without sticking a few good on him at eight to one. And I don't think Torn and Fraid was running too bad of a race when he fell at the second last as well. I do think that stage star race is a very good race this year. The time figures were the one of the best time figures we've got so far this season of any chase. So I, I think we're going to see plenty win of that out of it. So in short, I think Scott, so Scott is very um, eye-catching, but eight to one for Fugitive. I'd be surprised if he's not in the first four, because I imagine most fans would be betting first four. Yeah, most are at the moment. Uh, Skybet paying five places as it stands. Fugitive, eight to one. Bet Victor, Coral, a couple of other firms as well. Uh, Torn and Frayed, as you gave a positive mention for 16 to 1 with, with most. And so Scottish, 6 to 1 with most. Uh, on to the 2.25 now, the handicap chase over three miles. Two, three under through five is the 4 to 1 favourite just ahead of Broadway Boy at 9 to 2. Melina Girl, 5 to 1. Protector at 6 to 1. City Chief, 13 to 2. Easy as that, 9 to 1. Elvis Male, 10 to 1. 
22 to put to one Bardo's uh, rapper 22 to one back on the lash 28 to one Andy Trappy at the top end of the market nine runners here how do you see it yeah I think I think you've got to consider Broadway boy um, Ed's already talked him up obviously we'll get a line through that horse early on the card um, we all have been caught how see how he gets on but there was something really likeable about the way Broadway boy just ground his opposition into into submission here at the last meeting um, on quicker ground, he wasn't quite so effective behind flooring boards, but a genuine test around this track uh, with 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 STD on board. He's uh, he's going to be a formidable opponent because he's. I, th- I still think he's got plenty of um, mileage left in him, whereas a lot of these have, you know, been around the block more than a tramp's dog, haven't they? And you know, they tend to sort of. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to have a clear mind when you when you when you're coming into races like this, uh, an unscrambled mind, and that's what he's got. Uh, so I'd, I'd have him number one over easy as that. I think he's an interesting <laughs> one for Nisha Williams. Now, this also has punted at odds in, in the Paddy Power, but I don't think Charlie Deutsch knew, knew. He didn't read the memo <laughs> because normally you get a Venetia horse like this, like easy as that, who often goes from the front or he's up with the speed. I think he was last early on. He made a couple of niggly mistakes in the in the, in the the home and That manifested into itself as the round went on. He was scruffy here then everywhere. He just didn't look at the races, whether the trip was too short, whether it was almost as if they were prepping him for another race. I thought that the, uh, the December Gold Cup was his race because he was entered in that, but they decided to step him up to three mm. mile two here in the hope that perhaps a, a, an easier rhythm of a three mile race will help his jumping a little bit. Um, but I think they'll ride him a little bit more aggressively than they did in, in that um, Paddy Power. Uh, and he's off 10 2, so I, I could see him going well at 12 to 1. I, I can't resist. Um, a little mention of him. I think perhaps Ed's going to give him slightly bigger mention than, than I am. Go on, Ed. No, I'm just totally on board. That would be my... Um, uh, looking at the market, I thought Broadway Boy would be strong favourite over 300 through 5, personally. I thought 300 through 5 to defy 150 would, would take some doing. Broadway Boy on an upward curve. thought he'd be market leader. And outside of that, I thought, yeah, easy of that. Andy mentioned the trip. I think that's the salient point here. I've actually... There was is the big race that... Um, Ascot next weekend, the Sodexo Gold Cup over three miles. I thought that might be, I know she had an entry in that. So they've obviously been um and an ah what's this horse's kind of trip and where they're going to go. And they're rolling the dice over the Gold Cup trip for the first time. I can only see that suiting. Uh, funnily enough, if you look back at the, uh, well, all his wins, he's won them by stamina, including when he went at Haydock, which probably wouldn't have been his track last year. Uh, he just looked better the further he went over an extended 2-5 on that occasion. Just looked a little bit tap for toe. Um, last time out and you actually he does actually kind of pick up the stragglers up the running he, he runs on into sixth um, in the in the Paddy Power Gold Cup which you say two and a half on the old course a relative test of speed uh, <laughs> compared to this I, I can only see this race suiting I, I think he's a, a cracking each way but it, around double figures easy as that I, I wouldn't put anyone off Broadway boy if they said to me who do you think I think he's got to be favourite on default he's an unexposed five-year-old who loves soft ground got plenty of course for him and he's jumping for fun so I'd make Broadway boy favourite I wouldn't be shocked if easy of that started um, half the price he is coming into this because the the weights everything's skewed by protector at who's the absolute joker in the pack obviously trying to lump 12 stone around with him um, but it feels a bit of a retrieval mission and it's setting it up for those further down the weights and so yeah easy as that's each way for me in the 225 Easy as that. Nine to one. Uh, <clears throat> Party Power, Betfair Sportsbook, BetMGM and Bet UK. That nine to two about Broadway Boy has gone as we've been recording. See if you want to check your four to one best prices. It stands right 
now. That's with Skybet and BetMGM and BetUK. Um, have we got prices in the last two? We certainly do in the uh, yep. Albert Bartlett. Yes, and also in the final race on the card as well, the Mayor's Handicap Hurdles. So over three miles now, the Albert Bartlett, we've got um, Shanna Bob is the 7-4 favourite ahead of Don't Destroy the Evidence at 11-2, Illicota Cot 7-1, Cadell 8-1, 10-1, Kerry Hill 11-1 bar those. Andy, Ed, actually, Ed, your face, you're making an extraordinary face. You um, can't believe this market. I'm stumped on the last two races, John. Yeah, I, I thought Shanna Bob, short enough, uh, in my view, uh, 13-8, whole host of unexposed horses. You know? I mean, it was six and one last time out. Uh, you know, the, the old cliche could be anything, but that very much uh, comes into fruition here. And I thought Shanna Bob, yeah, looked okay, but was fives on the winner, an absolute nothing race at Plumpton last time out. So I, I'm just surprised. I suppose I'm not surprised because it's Shishkin's colours and it's Nicky Henderson and everything. But I'm, my overall emotion was I'm quite surprised to see Shanna Bob as short, um, having only just, you know, seen these prices for the first time in the race for the first time a couple of minutes ago. So, but yeah, no strong views other than that. I think it's just a, a lot of guesswork here. You don't have a lot you can really quantify. Uh, unexposed type, say half the field one last time out, could improve 10, 12 pounds for that run, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm um, very happy to leave this one to uh, to Andy. How dare you tell Andy you can't quantify horses with a couple of runs under their belt. Andy, quantify away, please. Yeah, I'm actually quite keen on one in this. Um, I've kept my powder dry throughout the week and I was very tempted to take sort of like the double figure quotes about uh, Kerry Hill. Uh, Ruth Jefferson's horse, but I see he's still 10 to 1 um, in the reform market. Um, I quite like the shape of the race as well. As Ed said, like Shanna Bob takes a huge chunk out of it. Um, but, you know, he's, he's just hard to quantify uh, that prize given that he was a five on shot at Plumpton. Whereas I think Kerry Hill's race that he won at Kelso has got a bit of substance to it because he beat Cadell, who's one of Lucinda Russell's highly rated young novices. And I thought he did it rather easily. Um, he didn't win by a huge margin, but I thought he had more in hand than the official margin suggested. Kelly was flat to the board throughout that race, whereas Kerry Hill actually cruised his way through it. And the market very much foretold what was going to happen that day. He was very well backed for a horse having his first run for 203 days for a new setup. He went off five to two in, in a race where, like I said, there was quite a bit of depth. The time figure was very, very good. He's actually top of our figures based on that run. And I think there's going to be more to come from him. He beat a horse called Let's Go Joe as well in an Irish point who won first time out for Oliver Greenall uh, at Sedgefield the other day. So both of his last two races, I think, uh, count for a great deal. He's a three-mile point-to-point win on heavy ground. He looks stamina, looked to be very much his key component when he won at, um, at Kelso the other day. And Ruth Jefferson wouldn't be the type of trainer who would just come down here for a day out. Um, she clearly feels as though this is up to grade two company off the back of a run, off one run. And I tend to agree with her. So 10 to 1, I think Kerry Hill probably, for me personally anyway, represents a really good, um, probably one of the best bets on the card at the prices anyway, I'd say. 10 runners as it stands, Andy. <clears throat> Most firms going a fifth of three. Skybet are going 9 to 1, a fifth of four. Would you be backing Kerry Hill each way or would you be backing Kerry Hill win only? I think I probably would back him each way because he has got a good cruising speed. So I think he's class Sorry, or get, him, mm. get him into the thick end of the race. Uh, it's on the new course isn't it so I think there's a long run from two out to the last so I predict him being still bang there travelling well two out whether there's one or two too good for him from that point I, you know, I wouldn't know but he seemed a strong stayer 
and uh, at Kelso, and that's a stiff uphill climb from two out there, isn't it? You know that that run from the last. So he's used to running up a hill. So yeah, I'd, I'd be mildly confident about him running well. I think he's the surprise package of the race anyway. There we go. Kerry Hill ten to one with Paddy's and Betfair Sportsbook and a couple of other firms as well. Nine to one if you want to make the most of that uh, fifth, the four places with Skybet, as you can see on the odds checker grids. Finally, in this mammoth Cheltenham preview, um, we've got the yeah the mayor's handicap hurdle with Botany, the three to one favourite across the board. Nurse Susan five to one. Theatre Glory eleven to two. Cockilot is uh, Cockilot, sorry, is six to one. Uh, Wind to the Lightning is seven to one. Good Luck Charm nine to one. Martha Divine. 12, Cessful 14, Sainsbury Girl 14, and I Love the Nightlife, named by Andy Holding, 20 to 1. Uh, Andy, how do you see the last? Yeah, I think we've got the right favourite here, Botney. Um, I'd like to come up with something a little bit more original, but I, I love the way that she got the job done at Hereford first time up. She was very well punted. Um, she needed all of the trip to, to, to win that day. I think she probably wanted a, a stiffer track or a stiffer test. But she got the job done. But not only that, she did it in a very fast time. They went an unbelievable gala that day. There was pace upon pace, layer upon layer. Uh, um, I think it was Kings, Kings from Sunflower, one up in front. And they gradually dropped away, dropped away. And there was only two or three survivors, really. And, and Botnay was the, was the chief beneficiary of that strong pace. I still think she's very well handicapped because she didn't win by a huge margin. She's won at Cheltenham before. I don't think she won an absolute quagmire. Um, she has run well on soft ground before, but she 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 was redrawn one day on heavy ground. So I don't think she wants extremes. But looking at the forecast, I don't think we're going to get you know bottomless ground. I think it'll just be you know nice winter soft, which will be fine for her. Um, but yeah, Fergal doesn't normally leave empty handed nowadays at Cheltenham, and I don't think he will with this one as well. Bonte three to one, as I say, across the board, Ed. Uh, yeah, I think Bonte is the right favourite. But if I was looking for an each way alternative, uh, Marty Keithley's got Zestful in here, and this is uh, Sean Bowen's book for the ride. Um, went very close at the April meeting that listed race, funny enough, against a horse with no name. We made an absolute mess of the, I think it was the last flight of hurdles or second last, and uh, lost valuable ground. Um, had a pipe opener, very much just that, uh, in a in a swamp at Chepstow last time out over the minimum trip. I think that was just a case of getting around and getting everything uh, back in working order again. Uh, this, similar to Bonte, really, the step back up in trip with a greater emphasis on stamina is only going to suit uh, Zestful here. So he's run well at the course before and has got a couple of pounds back from the assessor for that reappearance run. Runs off 130, uh, lightly raced four-year-old. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I think I'd be going Bonte, Zestful versus the field here, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw uh, more more zest from Zestful this time <laughs> around, Felina. Zestful 14 to 1. That is with William Hill standout price. There we have it. Thank you very much to both Andy and to Ed for sharing their thoughts ahead of this weekend's race at Cheltenham and looking ahead to the festival for us as well before Christmas. Um, we'll be back again soon to look or next week to look at the Christmas racing. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, make sure you download the Odds Checker app for the best free bets, bookie offers, place terms, and of course, the best prices. And Andy's tips, amongst other tips, is straight to the app every morning of racing. Thanks to Ed, thanks to Andy for getting their Christmas tree up. I'll do my best to do so next week. You have to deal with some football squads instead for the time <laughs> being. Uh, but we'll see you again next week. Enjoy the racing and please do ensure that you gamble responsibly.